Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for our meditation tonight is our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 61. Here again, the first couple verses from that text. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. This is God's word for us tonight. You may be seated. So as I said earlier, we're continuing our Advent series tonight, Gifts from the King. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Sean talked about the gift of strength that God gives us and how he makes use of us even at our weakest moments. Last week, Pastor Brant talked about the gift of comfort. Not that God makes us temporarily comfortable, but that through repentance, God works true and lasting comfort in us. So tonight, we continue our series by talking about joy. And as we also mentioned, this is a fitting weekend to be talking about joy because tomorrow is Gaudete Sunday, a a historic Sunday in the church that that the church has observed for years and years. And as I mentioned earlier, Gaudete is Latin for rejoice. And the name of this special uh, weekend is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, Let's see if you can say the last word with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Very good. That was actually part of our epistle lesson for Thanksgiving Day this year. And our epistle lesson tonight uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul kind of says the same thing. He says, rejoice always. So uh, if you've ever wondered why the, the third candle on most Advent wreaths is pink, it's, it's for this reason. Pink, or, or more specifically rose, is meant to symbolize joy. And so that's what we're here to do tonight on Gaudete Saturday, we'll say. To reflect on the gift of joy from our King and to rejoice together in all that he's done for us. So as we do that, we'll be using our reading from Isaiah 61 as as our guide. And so you might find it helpful to grab a Bible and to open up to that text, Isaiah chapter 61. You might also find it helpful to follow along in your sermon outline, which is on page 2 of your service folder. And if you do that, you'll see that we're going to be looking at four key truths about this gift of joy that God gives us. So the first of these is that our joy is the result of the fulfilled mission of Jesus. As our text begins, God's Son speaks through the prophet about how the Spirit of God has come upon him because God has anointed him. Now, the Hebrew word here for anointed is mashach. It's the the same root from which we get the word Messiah. Uh, Messiah, along with its Greek translation, Christ, simply means the anointed one. And to be anointed means to be set aside for a special task or a special mission. And so here, the Father anoints the Son with the Spirit and sends him to us to fulfill a mission that will bring us joy. In the sending of his Son, by the power of the Spirit, the Father was sending joy to the world. 
And that joy would come about as Jesus accomplished five things. The first, Isaiah mentions, is to bring good news to the poor. Now let me ask you a question. I want you to reflect on this a little bit. Aside from the gospel, what is the greatest news you personally have ever received? It's difficult for me to narrow it down to just one, uh, but during this time of the year, one does actually come to mind more than the others. Um, Three years ago, for Christmas, my wife gave me a a present. It was this little box. And as I unwrapped it, I, I took took the thing out, and at first I thought it was a thermometer. Uh, But when I turned it around, I realized it was a pregnancy test. Three years ago, on Christmas Eve, we found out that that Anna would be joining our lives. I still have tears of joy that kind of well up as I think about that moment. And I'm guessing that, that one or two things kind of like that, or maybe coming to mind for you as well. But even the good news of of a new daughter, or of a promotion, or of a, a winning lottery ticket, they all pale in comparison to the good news that Jesus was sent to bring to the poor and the afflicted, to us. He came to bring us the gospel, the good news that our sin was being forgiven, that everything wrong and broken in our lives was going to be made right. And that leads naturally into the second aspect of Jesus' mission, to bind up the brokenhearted. Joy can be an elusive thing during this holiday season when your heart is broken by the empty seat at the table this year by the tense or altogether lost relationships that you once cherished, by the ever-looming presence of illness. But Jesus is coming to bind up your broken heart. And the main way that he does that is by what he says he's coming to do next, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He binds up our broken hearts by unbinding us from every chain that holds us fast. Jesus has also said that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And that's just what the Son has done. By his death on the cross where he suffered your sins punishment. By his resurrection from the grave because not even death was able to imprison him. So we await the day when we also will be set free from our bondage to decay, raised up from our graves to everlasting life. But this brings up an interesting question. This fivefold mission of Jesus, did he fulfill it when he came the first time? Or is he going to fulfill it when he comes again? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. <laughs> In fact, one of the places where Jesus promises our resurrection, he introduces it by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The promise of resurrection on the last day is a promise Jesus says is both coming and already here. And that leads us into the fourth part of Jesus' mission, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So in one sense, this began when the Son of God came to us in Bethlehem so long ago. He began there his grand rescue mission to reclaim a world conquered by sin. But that work has not yet reached its full completion. As Hebrews says, the day is coming when he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. We eagerly wait for him to grant us restoration and resurrection and his eternal favor, to put an end to evil and sorrow and sadness and death. So Advent is a, a time of twofold waiting. We're waiting for our, our celebration of Christ's birth, and we're also waiting for Christ to come again, to make everything right, to bring this fivefold mission to its final fulfillment. And we know that that day will be one of great comfort. Comfort was a gift that we talked about last week, and it shows up again here in Isaiah 61. It is the final aspect of Jesus' mission described here, that he is coming to comfort all who mourn. And then Isaiah spends a, a verse or two describing what this particular aspect of his mission will be like. God's anointed one will comfort all who mourn. How? By replacing mourning with rejoicing. And that brings us to the second blank in our outline tonight. Our joy is given in exchange for sadness. Next week, most of us will be exchanging gifts for Christmas. Perhaps some of us, after that, will then participate in another kind of gift exchange uh, where we take what we got back to the store along with its gift receipt to get something that, that we like a little bit more. Now, in a, in a way, this is what Christ says that he will do for us. He will take everything that causes us sadness and replace it with his gift of joy. And it is a gift because he specifically says his mission to those who mourn is to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Christ raises us up from the ashes, lifts our mourning spirits, turns our weeping into praise, and he does it by taking our sorrows upon himself. Paul writes elsewhere, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Martin Luther described this as the happy exchange, how Christ willingly takes our brokenness, our infirmities, our fears, and our sin upon himself, giving in its place joy and praise, adorning our hearts and our souls with gladness. For the people of Judah, to whom Isaiah was first writing, this meant that they would return to their homeland after exile and, as he says, that they would build up the ancient ruins, raise up the former devastations, repair the ruined cities. In other words, the people of God would get their lives back. That promise is for you too. 
Now, for most of you, I I don't know the specific sorrows or, or devastations that you personally are dealing with, but I'm guessing that we all are in big or small ways. We each must wrestle with the tragedies of a fallen world. But in this Advent season, Christ comes to give us joy in exchange for sadness, a joy that triumphs over every sorrow, a joy that that gives us our lives back, that replaces death with life. And this gift of joy is not dependent on our circumstances. This gift of joy is not dependent on our circumstances. If you're struggling right now, if, if this time of year is especially difficult for you, Hear these words of promise from your Savior today. Know that he has fulfilled his promise through his birth among us, through his cross and his empty tomb. And know that he is coming back. Long for the day when joy will triumph over sadness once and for all. And even in the midst of suffering and sadness, rejoice. You see, because when we do, When we rejoice in the face of the sorrows of this life, people will notice. That's the third thing that we can learn from Isaiah today, that our joy gives glory to God. Isaiah says to the people of Judah that when they are given joy in place of sadness, they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. When the world sees the work of God in our lives and the joy with which we receive it, they will look at us and they will give praise to God for his rescue. Verse 9 of our text says that all who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. May the same be said of us. May the joy that we have in the Lord give him glory. May others behold the good works that we do in joyful response to what he has done through Jesus and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. You see, when we rejoice and delight in the things in which God rejoices and delights, when we, like the Lord, love justice and hate robbery and wrong, the result will be that others will glorify God and come to find the same joy in him that we are privileged to know. We are the offspring the Lord has blessed. We are children of our Heavenly Father, and so our joy ought to be contagious. Through us, may Isaiah's words prove true when he says, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. The fourth and final portion of our outline is, in some ways, a a recapitulation, an encore of the first part, but with a a more sharper, kind of a sharper focus. Because it it summarizes and encapsulates everything that we've talked about so far. Because above all, God wants us to see through his prophet Isaiah that our joy is ultimately to be found in our salvation. In verse 10, Isaiah writes, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Why? For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
Last week, Pastor Brant talked about God's gift of comfort, but specifically about the comfort that comes from repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Here, Isaiah speaks about the gift of joy and how far-reaching that gift is, how it is good news for every aspect of our lives, freedom from every chain, favor from God, comfort in mourning. But ultimately, the joy that is given to us as a gift from the king is found in God's salvation given to us through Christ. In the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God covered them with, with animal skins. God has clothed us with the robe of his righteousness, with the garments of salvation that he spread over us in our baptism. No animals were harmed in the making of our salvation, though Jesus was. Yet he willingly went to the cross. And the book of Hebrews tells us why. When it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Our joy is our salvation. It turns out that this is Jesus' joy as well. So may we, those who have been given good news, who have had our broken hearts healed, who have been freed from sin and every evil, who have received the favor of the Lord, and comfort in times of mourning. May we rejoice during this Advent season. May our upcoming celebrations of Christ's birth be filled with strength and comfort and joy in the presence of our King who has come to us. People of God, rejoice in the Lord always and let us say it again. Rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.